Hey, what's up, everybody? So, <clears throat> this is my first recording for my podcast that I'm going to be starting up. And I just wanted to give you guys, you know, like, a head start or just go over basically what I'm going to be talking about as far as, you know, who I am and stuff. So, I guess we'll start on the sports end of things. Or, yeah, the sports end of things. Basically, I was born and raised in California, so the Oakland Raiders, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Los Angeles Lakers are my three favorite teams. Um, I'm not a big UFC fan, but I am. I watch it more than I do boxing. And I actually, I actually, I mean, I'm a fan. I pay attention to certain aspects of it. My favorite fighter right now is Chris Cyborg. I know that's not what anybody's favorite fighter out there is, but I've been paying attention to her ever since she completely destroyed uh, Gina Carano um, back years ago now. And then Ronda you know, had her run, and she annoyed me, to be honest with you, um, I felt like she fed too much into her ego, and Dana White fed too much into her ego, and just, I hated it ever since then, um, moving on to the Dodgers aspect of it, I know the Dodgers haven't won anything ever in my personal lifetime, well, I think they did, but I was maybe two or three, um, but growing up, you know, we always, I always had love for the Dodgers. And then up until the Los Angeles Angels won, which I'm going to put an emphasis on Los Angeles Angels, was they were the Anaheim Angels before. And before that, who knows what they even were. Um, when they won, all their Angels fans here in the California area, Southern California more specifically, everybody became an Angels fan. And while that wasn't a big issue for me at the time, it waned on for years and it's still going to these years. Angels fans still yapping and yapping about how they're the best team in LA, blah, blah, blah. They had a great year. They're always going to be better than the Dodgers, this, that, and the other thing. And it's annoying. They have, they have one lucky year back in 2002 or 2001 whatever it was and for me that's just a lot of crap and I can't take any Angels fans serious when they say that you know it's the halos or whatever they call themselves Angel fans or they run this town or whatever garbage they throw at you and I know that's kind of a condescending way to look at it when I look at it any other way you can, I can't look at it any other way the Angels fans do what they do and they just annoy so but you know whatever the Dodgers ain't doing anything to help their cause either you know getting trampled on year after year by the San Francisco Giants who popped off you know a couple of title runs the Arizona Diamondbacks a few years up ago you know or I don't know how many long years ago um, certainly doesn't help the Dodgers at all but with that said I am a Dodgers fan I did enjoy their championship run 
this last season, even though they came up short, you know, they came up short of one game, which is a lot better than what most teams can offer a sports fan. Um, this year, they're kind of up and down. Just, they started off really slow. Now they kind of heated up. As a matter of fact, speaking of the Angels, they just lost to the Angels last night. Bottom of the 10, 5-4, whatever. Um, and then moving on from that, I mean, I'll get back to the sports. And I just, I think I just wanted to touch on basically who I am. So, But I'm going to start in the sports end. But moving on, uh, the Lakers. I grew up a Lakers fan, you know, watching... Magic Johnson, it, and actually, when I was growing up, everybody was into Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. I can remember being in like elementary, and I think junior high, when Jordan and Pippen and the Bulls made their incredible run of things. But either way, I was a, a Lakers fan because I was what's on TV here. The Lakers actually won games. Obviously, they weren't winning titles in those years. The Bulls were around. But soon after that, you know, getting into high school and whatnot, um, Kobe comes along. Kobe comes along, and I remember watching Kobe. He was a highlight reel then, dunking and doing the slam dunk contest and things of that nature. And while I didn't think he he was going to ever win us anything, um... Once we got Phil Jackson, and then they got Shaq, and then you could see that what was just Lakers just putting together pieces that kind of were for more entertainment, but an entertainment aspect. You know, Shaq and Kobe. Well, Shaq was already, uh, you know, a big personality, entertainment-wise. And Kobe was, you know, just a young gun, but like I said, it was slam dunk contest, you know, just high flying. You know, that once they went, they took it from an entertainment aspect to, okay, they can win games. And not, and not only win games, but they can win championships and not just one, you know, shooting for the moon for one golden season. They decided to pop off three in a row. And they did. I think I was in... High school when that happened, um, like I said, I had watched Laker games ever since I was there. I'd never seen them one. That was actually kind of perfect for me. Um, never had a basketball team to really root for, and then they hear the Lakers are winning. You know, a team that I had watched, I didn't really pay attention to while the Bulls run was going, but the Lakers, you know, and since then the Lakers went through a drought when they got rid of Shaq. Uh, San Antonio's been there. Um, the Celtics rebuilt themselves. You know, I know there was a lot of history between the Lakers and Celtics, and they actually hadn't crossed paths in quite some time. But the Lakers um, heated up again. You know, they got Paul Gasol, Kobe, Derek Fisher was there. You know, you name it. Their whole team had stars. Trevor Reza, who's still in the playoffs to this day. Um. Yeah, they had a bunch of stuff. Phil Jackson was there, you know, so everything made sense. And then they popped off two out of three championships. You know, not bad. Kobe ends up with five. 
and all the, the in during the whole experience of the Lakers winning, um, other teams, you know, chatterboxing it up. Celtics and the Celtics fans, uh, you know, everybody was already claiming LeBron was the greatest right out of like his first season. Like they put the crown on top of his head. Um, very first, you know, games, his very first games, he was going to be this, the king, King LeBron, you know, whatever it was, LBJ. And I remember when, you know, they both had the Muppet commercials and the only difference separating them was Kobe had rings at that point and, and then he got number four and LeBron, I don't think LeBron had one at that point yet, or maybe he had one. Um, but it didn't solidify me to be a Laker fan. I mean, I was already a Laker fan, but this, the, the thing, once Kobe was done and all the Kobe haters came out the woodworks, glad to see him go. Um, and then the Clippers making their push to try to run the Lakers out of town, as it were. Um, for me, that was just like the ultimate, like, okay, well, if that's how the, all these Laker fans are going to do it, you know, well, I can't wait for the Lakers to rebound and put them back into, you know, exile where they, where they belong, where they should have, where they should belong and where they were at the entire time the Lakers were winning all these games and all these championships and, you know, Watching the Lakers fans, you know, I think they had the best record in base or in baseball basketball uh, a couple years ago. They were, I think, the number one or number two seed, and then they just epically choked to the Rockets or somebody. That was that was a fun experience, just to see that their entire team imploded. You know right off right off the bat in the very first um legitimate chance they had to win a championship. Anyways that's the Lakers moving on to football which I think I covered UFC, baseball, basketball, football and the and the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders for me it, again um growing up uh there was a lot of love for the Cowboys fans and the 49ers fans. And I and, and when I was younger, the Cowboys did win championships. So did the Forty Niners. And um, the Raiders were always good. Um, I remember we just grew up, you know, Raiders fans here, Oakland Raider fans. And and I think the time they were in L.A. And you know that was helped solidify my parents as being Raider fans. Um, but a couple things. You know, ain't no way any normal person runs around with red and gold colors as far as, you know, you're going to buy a jersey or buy a shirt. You don't buy red and gold. I, I Diehard San Francisco fans, you know, will. But any normal person on any normal day running out the house to go to work and is not going to throw on a red and gold shirt. It's just not happening. You might throw on a blue one, you know, for Cowboys. But then again, the Cowboys aren't from California, and Troy Aikman is annoying, and to this day, 
he still annoys the hell out of pretty much any other phase man other than uh the Cowboys fans. You know, Troy Aikman. Um granted he, he did win his his share of titles and I actually don't got nothing against him. I actually don't mind him calling games. I actually hate Joe Buck. Joe Buck is annoying. Um have you ever noticed Joe Buck? It looks like he wants to reach over and kiss Troy Aikman and give him a fat one on the lips. But that's just another, you know, I just can't stand Joe Buck. And I can't stand that Joe Buck uh, calls baseball's games. And I know he's a, actually he's not a bad, you know, announcer to baseball or football games. But he just annoys me. Uh, it's just something about him I can't stand. Just like, uh... Uh, I actually like Al Michaels, but it was, uh, I think it's um, I can't think of the guys on the top of my head. Um, it's not Phil. Maybe it is Phil Collins, or I don't know his name. Al Michaels' partners. You guys know what I'm talking about. He's annoying too. The Bengals dude. He's annoying as hell too. Chris, I think it's Chris Collinsworth. Phil Collins is the other douche, but. Anyways, back back to okay. So nobody's nobody's rocking no red and gold. Um, there's just something about the Cowboys that is so stagnating. It's so I don't know how to describe it, but immediately if somebody says they're Cowboys fans, you just look at them like, what are you smoking, or what kind of drugs you're on, or what how. Yeah, I could understand other teams. Like if a Detroit Lions fan, okay, you know, you grew up in Detroit or you like the underdog story. But the Cowboys have been riding this, that they're the best team in football, the America's team, whatever the corny crap they're trying to push on you. Um, it is what it is. I mean, they just annoy in since Troy Aikman in those Super Bowl runs, they've had terrible... They've been a laughing stock of the NFL, and I think the NFL likes that. But those teams, it was basically it was the Raiders, 49ers, and Cowboys. And the Cowboys could never get into. Nobody here likes them. Uh, they don't win consistently enough. So growing up a Raiders fan, I watched them during high school and even junior high, I think. Have some incredible seasons. Uh culminating in the beatdown that Tampa Bay gave us in the Super Bowl with the Raiders. And I actually thought we had a chance of winning that game. Uh, but John Gruden knew the organiza the Oakland organization from top to bottom. He knew the owner. He knew the parking lot. He knew where our players lived. He knew what we ate. He knew who was lazy. He knew the plays. He knew everything. So we were never going to win that game, especially against John Gruden. John Gruden, on the flip note, would have never won that Super Bowl had it been uh, the Baltimore Ravens in that Super Bowl, I believe. That's who we beat to get, to get there. He would have never beat them. Uh, actually, I don't even know. I think maybe it was the Tennessee Titans. They would have ran over him. Uh, he would have never won that Super Bowl. Had it not been for him being the coach on the opposite end of the field, uh, but that's that's where my love of the Raiders comes in. We get beat down, uh, you know. 
they had a fantastic couple of seasons. We got screwed over by the Patriots, which is another team that I'm not going to get into at this point in time. But pretty much, you guys know the history of the tuck rule. You guys know what's cracking with the... All, that game in particular is one of those football games that will never, ever, ever in the history of the NFL will never, ever be, you know, like just another game. Like so many games are like nobody knows what happened last year between the Rams and the and the Eagles, you know, midseason. Nobody knows that game. Nobody knows the game with the Raiders and Kansas City last year. Nobody knows that game. Nobody knows even some of the playoff games last year, Kansas City and Tennessee. Nobody knows that game. No, Nobody knows those games other than if you're a diehard Kansas City fan. However, everybody does know what happened. You know, that AFC game, us and uh, the Raiders and the Patriots, everybody knows that game. You don't even, you don't even have to like those teams. Uh, but everybody, everybody knows who the Patriots are currently in this day and age and they just came off a fresh Super Bowl loss but everybody knows who they are everybody knows their story and it pretty much starts it starts with that game that tuck roll but you know that that next year we did get to, we did reach the Super Bowl or I think it was a year after uh, we traded Gruden to the Bucks for peanuts um, he brushes up uh, Tony Dungy's team. You know, Dungy had assembled a good team. Actually, was it Dungy? I can't remember whose team he took over. But he takes over the team, which was complete. Uh, he did his work. He had to win games to get to the Super Bowl. It's not like he just showed up in the Super Bowl, smiled, and got a ring. No, he he did his work. You know, he was a coach. He knows what he's doing. Uh, but his track re record speaks for itself after the fact that they went to the Super Bowl, won it. And my friend, he's a uh, Tampa Bay fan. He knows all too well what happened with the Bucks after that. But anyways, from that point, when we get beat down in the Super Bowl, the Raiders, that was, I, I was in high school. That was, uh, I don't know how many years ago now. 15 years ago, maybe 16 years ago. I don't know. They, the Raiders have stunk up the joint. They consistently failed at literally every in any possible way that you could possibly imagine. And they were no better than any other scrub organization in any other league in the professional sports. Every year was the same thing. When are we going to win more than three games? When are we going to get a good coach? When are we going to get a, you know, key players? Can we afford or should we sell the team? Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And just me as myself, you know, the Raiders went away. The Patriots came up. And there's no denying the Patriots winning all those games, winning all those championships. I am actually on the side that they do cheat. They cheat a lot. But, you know, and people will say, oh, other teams cheat too. They just don't get caught. And I'm like, well, how hard is it for the Patriots to cheat and get caught? 
you know, when every other cheat, every other team cheats and doesn't get caught, like how how hard are they trying to hide it? Are they just blatantly doing it, or are they just one of these teams that uh, they're so good and they cheat anyways that they don't feel like you know that the cheating that they're doing is a problem. Anyways, the the Patriots are well known. What they knocked off five of I believe seven championships. So in those fifteen year that the Raiders sucked, they were in the Super Bowl on average once every two years, and then winning one out of every three years. So the NFL is pretty. I think the NFL as a whole and the NFL fan base as a whole is sick of that team. Uh, but they started it off with the Raiders, and. You know that game was baloney. I, I just for for my you know every year I was rooting for them to go down finally, rooting for them to, to finally like pack it up, pack up shop, and they never did. And the and seemingly the Raiders never turned the corner either. Uh, the Raiders now have turned the corner, but it was a fun ride, sucking all those years, wondering if we were ever going to do the right things. Doing this, doing that. What what was our ultimate? When were we gonna finally turn things around and get the Oakland Raiders back in business? As you know, uh, but they, you know, every year that they sucked and all the hate they they got, you know, throughout the years, especially coming from the other SoCal team, uh, which will forever be known for me as the San Diego Sparklers. Um, that scrub team with their scrub fan base, with the entire baby blue and yellow lightning bolt, whatever they have as their logo. And I think they changed it recently. But all their fans came out the woodwork and started yapping, just like the Angels, just like the Clippers. Uh, But unlike the Angels, they never actually won a Super Bowl. And... They stunk up the joint for, I think they were like eight years in a row, the division champs, and failed to do anything. Uh, they didn't do squat. So those sparklers, the ones they use on 4th of July, are are at the time where they're about to flame out now. Uh, the division is a whole lot better than AFC West. Uh, the Broncos went to two Super Bowls, got one. Kansas City has been the division champs, I think couple years in a row now hasn't produced and whatever they I don't even think they won a playoff game but the Raiders are also have gone to the playoffs so the sparklers uh and they're still the San Diego sparklers because they don't belong in LA the Rams have proven that point they proved it last year uh the Rams actually went to the playoffs and they actually had an amazing season and I'm not even a Rams fan, but however they managed to do all of that, they pretty much soaked up the LA market from the San Diego Sparklers. And the Sparklers got just got caught. They moved from San Diego. They're in LA now. They will always be... They're always going to be the Jets to the Giants. They're always going to be the Mets to the Yankees. They're always going to be the Clippers to the Lakers. That's just how it's going to be... Uh, Poor sparklers. That's just how it's going to be from here on out. I don't think they know what they actually did. But that's what it's going to be. But back to the Raiders. Uh, yeah, the entire time I'm getting flagged from everybody. And from every which corner. It didn't even matter what T 
team or person. Like they could have liked the Carolina Panthers. They could have liked uh, the Jets or whatever other team. It, it, you mentioned you made one mention throughout this whole time that you were a Raiders fan. Uh, it was usually a laugh, a chuckle. Why uh, they don't even win games? Wow, you like them? Wow. I don't like that good of a team, but we've had good seasons. We've been to the playoffs. You're, you should, are you guys going to get rid of your team? Wow, you blah, blah, blah. You name it. You name it. I've been told it about that team. Uh, and just running up to go watching games the entire time they were bad. I've been up in Oakland the last five or six years in a row. Maybe seven years, eight years. I'm not exactly... I don't keep track. But the tickets were cheap. I'd go watch games around my birthday in October. And I'd watch the games for cheap. I'd get in there for 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 70 bucks. And you're watching an NFL game with usually uh, half-decent teams on the other side. You know, I hadn't actually, for myself... I have only ever been to one game, and they actually won. That was two years ago, not this last year. They lost to the Ravens, uh, 2017-18 season. Uh, I hadn't actually ever gone to a game where they actually won. That's how pathetic they were. <laughs> um, but they, okay. But they fin- I finally had gone to one, and they actually had one one. So I was really happy about that about two years ago. And now, come full circle, Gruden's back. Um, do I have big um, aspirations for the team this year? Mm, I kind of do. I think we should get 11 games. We should be 11-5. and five. Um, And now that John Gruden's back, he better deliver us the Super Bowl because he's, he owes it to us. Um, I know he, he was shipped off by... Al Davis, but that doesn't excuse all those other years that he was a coach and we've had good teams and it just slipped through his hands for whatever reason. Um, But I think the team's in a lot better shape now. It's a lot better run. The organization is actually a little bit more smoother. We have a GM. We have an owner trying to do things for the team, um, which will soon now be the Las Vegas Raiders which I'm all excited for. I know there's a lot of Raider fans that are disgusted by it, especially the town of Oakland. But the town of Oakland, you know, this is business. This is a, this isn't, we have to help everybody. We have to save everybody. We have to be friends with everybody. We have to cuddle everybody. This is, the Raiders will have a home. Not on the other side of the town. Not where some other red and gold stepchild team takes up all the glory not where you know we're worrying about if we're gonna what's gonna happen to the team um going forward they're gonna have a home they're gonna build it the raiders are gonna be there for an extended amount of time could be 20 years could be 30 years it could be life i could die and the raiders could be burning away over there in the desert whatever whatever the case may be my opinion on is 
they'll have a new home. They still have the training facilities over there in Napa Valley. They still have the love of Oakland, for the most part. Oakland as a city, um, the Warriors are moving, the Raiders are moving. The only teams that will be left, I believe, is San Jose Sharks and the Athletic. And I'm not even sure the, the San Jose Sharks play there, but I think they do. I think they do play at Oracle Arena. Um, but the the A's too. I mean, who what's going to happen with the A's? What happens if they decide to leave? If you look at it that way, that they could not, that the city of Oakland could not get it done with the Warriors are leaving and they're moving into San Francisco, uh, down there by where the San Francisco Giants play currently in and around that area. Um, the Raiders are moving. How long will it be before the Athletics move in search and in search of new ground? Maybe they move to Sacramento. Maybe no. Maybe they don't, but but maybe they might move somewhere. Um, maybe they follow Oakland into Vegas. There's no baseball team in Vegas. They could use one. Uh, that's something that the city of Oakland and the Oakland Raider fans and any sports fan that's in Oakland that's just there has to really look at what is going on with the town itself. It's not something that has to do with any team because their other teams are leaving. Nobody wants to play at that patch of land that's right there. It's in dire need of uh, massive repairs all over the place. They should blow it up and build the greatest thing that ever existed in the world as far as attraction-wise. But they don't. They don't want to do it. They don't want to spend the money. And I get it. You don't want to drop a billion dollars for mediocre teams. You don't want to drop a billion dollars for hoodlums you know to go in there and trash your your new baby you don't want to drop a billion dollars for something that you don't know the team's still going to move anyways but if you do not spend the money you're guaranteed the teams will move anyways so you either do or you don't and i think the city just they just chose on don't we'll save the money we'll figure it out maybe they'll get a college team or something so that's my opinion about it. And that's just where I'm at as a sports fan. Touched on UFC, baseball, football, basketball, um, boxing I'm not going to touch on because I think the, the sport of boxing has really, really let itself go. Um, the refusal to... like cooperate and coexist with UFC in the beginning uh, hurt itself massively. You know, this could have been one of those things where um, you know, maybe like a dual sport type of thing where okay, you're going to have 100 fighters and they're going to do uh, half of them are going to do UFC, half of them are going to do boxing and then Maybe they'll do as like a catch fight, maybe kickboxing. They could have worked up something. I think boxing, seeing UFC and mixed martial arts as a redheaded stepchild and ignored it and put it to the side. And I think now, if you ask any young dude, they pretty much, boxing is boring. And even if it, it's not, but that's just how they perceive it. 
it's old it's like it's like baseball baseball's a little bit boring it's you know blah 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 you know it's got that it's got that mental picture in the heads of a lot of young kids and baseball's baseball's boring and that you know basketball's so much more entertaining and the same thing with UFC in, in boxing you see there's knockouts there's flying kicks there's head chokes there's boxing involved in it there's kicking people there's all kinds of stuff and boxing is just pretty much throwing hands and walking going around in circles with each other and i see it on that aspect too like there's a lot of technicality to it uh i cannot step into a box ring and actually do it without keeping my head you know knocked off but i think a lot of people look at boxing as like They'd rather watch UFC because there's a chance of something cr more crazier happening, more dynamic happening, more action-packed happening. And which was the case, but going all the way back to Ronda Rousey and, you know, Chuck Liddell, you know, do you see know, every so often props up, you know, a fighter like, oh, he's some great knockout artist. Or, you know, Chuck Liddell was on a tear, like... I don't know how many years ago now Chuck Liddell was running running wild, but he was on a tear for a couple of years there, knocking people out, just the sheer stun of it. Um, you know, and then going even past Chuck Liddell, there was Rampage Jackson, there was um, a slew of people. Brock Lesnar came in, and everybody wanted a piece of Brock Lesnar. Or knock, he was knocking people out. People were knocking him out. Uh, Ronda Rousey cropped up, was knocking out girls in seconds, and not in not just seconds. Like the fight would just start and it would be over, in like in the records like twenty seconds, whatever. You know, people were just running into fists, and and in between all of those knockout fights, you had really good. George Saint Pierre was just physically beating people up. I remember when he physically. B B J Penn. Uh, he just took his life from him, and I had never seen that. He he was he blocked all. You know, it just was one of those things. There's there was so much good stuff going on. There's so much good stuff, and then in the boxing, on the flip end, uh, since Tyson and Holyfield, and the Klitschko's were running rampant. They. Pretty much just offered up Mayweather as answer to boxing. And Mayweather, uh, Floyd Money Mayweather is, first and foremost, Money Mayweather is a businessman. You don't, if you look at it like that as a business, and in, in it's your business, let's say it's your business to fight, you and you, and you, you know, your goal as a business, your goal. Even down to the individual person is to be, is to win. You want to win. You want to. Um, you want to win. So, Mayweather did it. He's fifty-one and zero, or whatever he is, fifty and zero. He's a businessman. Is he the greatest fighter of all time? You can debate that. I don't really care. I don't. I'm not really interested in boxing in that aspect. Uh, Iron Mike Tyson, 
to me was one of my favorite boxers. Now it's because he mercilessly, when he looked, when he punched somebody, it looked like they were about to die. I have never, boxing has yet to replicate that, uh, that kind of animosity or that kind of fighter since. Uh, the Klitschko's were just physically, would just physically beat you, you know, punish you round after round after round after round after hit after hit. But it wasn't, and maybe they, I think they did knock out people, but the Klitschko's each other would never fight each other. So, you know, one was a champion on one and one was a champion on the other. Never could unify the belt, wouldn't fight each other. So, you know, you'll never, we'll never get that answer. Uh, Mayweather dodged. Pacquiao for the longest will never get that answer. Even though Mayweather and Pacquiao did fight, uh, when Mag when Manny Pacquiao was hot, Mayweather dodged him. Um, it's pretty well known. So boxing and and that's the, just the thing. The UFC was giving the fights that people wanted, doing the things that people want to see, uh, putting together top fights in boxing. You're not getting it. And just the UFC just soaked up a lot of young fan base. Like even, you know, people my age, you know, in their 30s. And just boxing just, to me, is really, really, really struggling. Once Manny Pacquiao's done, wh where does boxing go? They don't really have anybody. They, they're trying to find an answer. They want Pacquiao to do another fight because... Where else are they going to get a top fight? Uh, and a real boxing fan will tell you all these people. And to a normal person, they haven't heard the, those, those people's names. I was looking at the boxing card with Pacquiao just last night. And I don't know anybody else that is on the welterweights or none of that. I don't know any, who any of those people are and, and because I don't watch. Because there's nothing to watch. I don't know anybody. They don't. They're doing a poor job of promoting themselves, and boxing just should just pay the money, find several top heavyweights, and just let them hammer each other out. Let's see you do like a royal rumble of it. I guess one month it's this guy, one month it's the next guy, and then you know start you know splashing in some of these other. Weight division. Oh, look at these light heavyweights and the featherweights and the welterweights. And watch these, you know, if you like that, watch this one. But they don't. They don't do it. And it's pretty much boxing in a nutshell as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but moving on. On the sports end. That's sports there. We can dabble into uh, music and where I'm at musically. Uh... Musically, I'm pretty much day in and day out since, I want to say, the fourth, maybe fifth grade. But maybe not the fourth or fifth grade. But fourth or fifth grade is really where my love of heavy metal and hard rock, aggressive, heavy rock comes from. And at that time, it was uh, Metallica. Metallica is probably the first heavy metal band that I heard. It wasn't exactly heavy, but they weren't exactly your Aerosmith. They weren't your uh, your Rolling Stones. They weren't your Bon Jovi. They weren't none of that. None of that glam rock. 
Motley Crue, no. This was, Metallica was, and still will always be for me, the band that actually bridges the gap for people that listen to Metallica, will also listen to Aerosmith, will also listen to Slayer and Pantera. You know, they're right, they're borderline, you know, a borderline band, but they were more on the heavy side. You know, going all the way back, Master Puppets, Ride the Lightning, uh, you know, and Justice for All was some solid heavy metal riffs that I still can't get over to this day. Um, Disposable Heroes, you know, Shortest Straw, um, Creeping Death, Damage Incorporated, Battery, Fight Fire with Fire. Those are some of the songs to me that separate themselves even from bands like today. If you look at the three intro songs to Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, and One, you look at the way each of those albums start, gives you a clear indication of who that band is and what they could be and everything that they've done and what it means, you know, if you're a young kid listening to those songs, how those songs are entertaining, number one, but those songs have a little bit of everything. They have a a good intro, you know, the guitars leading into just straight up blow your head off with some incredibly crazy heavy riffs all the way to a little bit of melody and then just you get a whole album in those songs and that pretty much is how bands operate this day to this day and age still uh the formula is there that's why Metallica is who they were who they are who they were who who they will always be is one of the best um but going from there junior high for me was more or less Corn, it was Marilyn Manson, it was Limp Bizkit, it was all the new metal stuff, which a lot new metal gave to the music community and heavy metal in general a much much needed facelift as it was from going from glam rock, you know Nirvana, really mundane, you know nothing against Nirvana, but it was. All of this older feel to the music, you know, heavy metal, a lot of old heavy metal, Slayer and Pantera feels old, you know, and it's even older now in this age and age, but it felt old then. It wasn't really connecting with anybody. Well, I mean, it did connect, but it wasn't connecting with a young, young fan base and, and just new metal. And the king of it was Marilyn Manson at the time. There's Nine Inch Nails as well. But Marilyn Manson is neither heavy or thrashy or whatever you want to call it. It's just pretty much a dark rock. Industrial is the, the term coined for it. Uh, but I, I ended up diving deep into corn, and corn has some pretty heavy stuff. Um, it's always been there. All the way back to their first album. Um, and then even in Life is Peachy. Uh, even in Issues. Even in Follow the Leader. The heavy of corn is there. 
it's not every song that wasn't what they're about but they did I think whoever wrote some of those songs like I can't think of a few off my head but somebody someone um, um, my gift to you Mr. Rogers oh man there's there's some good ones in there divine ball tongue you know, and I'm not, I don't even have anything written down or anything, but those are some corn songs. Uh, they just had the heavy to it. Falling away from me, uh, it was heavy, even, and then it was done in the, in their way, which is to me why corn probably had the longer run. I don't know if they had a longer run than Marilyn Manson. But to me, they had. I think they were actually the bigger band. When it's all sitting, when it was all sitting, I think they were the bigger band. They had a much more. They connected to me much more with Metallica than Marilyn Manson did, and which is why I still rock. You know, a Corn album once in a while, like it's good to dust it off and just listen to what I was listening to so many years ago. Um, I could throw on Life Is Peachy and listen to it all day. And I put it away, and then I'm just like, man, it comes to me three months, six months, a couple weeks, a year later. I'm like, man, I should just throw that album back on and see, just dust it off. And I'm never, I'm never ever disappointed. Um, but moving on from there, those are junior highs years. Slipknot came about right at eighth grade, ninth grade year for me. Uh, Instead, not completely blew the the socks off of what was going on with new metal and with Static X and with and, and even those bands still persisted and still lived during Slipknot's reign. Um, they pretty much killed off, you know, Corn. They killed off Limp Bizkit. They killed off, and I and actually that's not even true, but to me the underpinnings were. If you liked heavy metal, Slipknot was more like Slayer, was more like Pantera, was more in that vein than it was somebody who's starting a band and just saw what Marilyn Manson was doing, tried to do their own take on what he was doing. So Slipknot was like a throwback, but they had a little bit of a new flair to it, and they completely came in and decimated what was the music scene at the time. And that's pretty much true to this day. Um, Slipknot probably was the last big metal band to come forward. Um, I can't think of any other big metal band to come forward since then. But Slipknot came forward with what they got. Uh, they put their best foot forward in, you know, their very first album, as well as Iowa. Iowa, to me, is one of the albums... It's got to be definitely top 10, maybe top 5 heavy metal, hard, headbanging music of all times, maybe ever. It's that good. There isn't a song on that album that isn't an album within its own right and with that isn't boring. That it, From start to finish, you could do even the little intro... Uh, song that they have um, going right into people equal shit 
into disaster pieces, you know, rolling into the heretic at them, you know, taking a, a slight breather during gently, going into left behind and skin ticket to, you know, to wrap it up with Iowa, the song itself. I mean, there isn't a bad note on that album, I don't think. Uh, it's probably top five. I don't know where it is for me personally. Where it would be in the general standings, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to the top list because nobody's list is right. Um, but it's definitely for me, it's probably top five. And rolling into that, I mean, for me, that solidified myself as always. I was always gonna be. There was always gonna be the metal side to me and. Slipknot did Tattoo the Earth tour, which brought a lot of bands to the table. One of them being Hatebreed. Caught Hatebreed. Completely blew my socks completely off. Uh, they blew me away. And, that, and they're a band that who knows what would have happened. Because Hatebreed's beginning beginnings were much documented as being rough they were accused of being thieves and nobody wanted to tour with them that hard time they were hardcore nobody even believed in that at that point um Hatebreed started off and then it's well documented i mean you could probably ask jamie jesse yourself how he felt about his first tours like that and his first shows like that and he probably would tell you yeah like Nobody liked us. We, you know, maybe he had doubts at one point. I'm not gonna put any words in the man's mouth, but you know. But they blew me away, then and there. I had since have gotten, you know, a hold of their album. You know, satisfaction is the death of desire, and I think I bumped that. And I think I was the only person in California in the year 1999, maybe even 2000. That had even was even listening to Hatebreed, and that's not true because I know there's gonna be somebody out there one of these days who listens to what I'm saying. That's gonna say, "No, dude, I like them too." Whatever, get over yourself. Did you go watch them at Tattoo the Earth in San Bernardino? You know, when Slipknot was doing a festival for maybe like six thousand people, maybe. Did you see them before that? Probably, maybe. I don't know. Do you have any proof? Do I have any proof? But, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. But at that time, when I was in high school, nobody had even heard of Hatebreed. Nobody even... They weren't even a band, put it that way. I would ever a fantasy in my head as being this band that was like, wow, they're so crazy. Rolling right along. Uh, not Drops Iowa during high school for me. Hatebreed. Not actually in... Hatebreed, I had discussed this with somebody. I think Hatebreed, uh, 2001, September 11, 2001, I think it was a, I think I was a, a sophomore, junior, um, September 11th happens. And I think that completely changed the landscape of heavy metal and the landscape music. And it changed in, in its own right, it changed everything for everyone in their in it doesn't matter who you are if you live here in this country 9-11 changed it impacted you somehow 
Hate Breed dropped Perseverance, I think before 9/11, and I I had picked it up, and I love the I love the album even before that because I knew they were coming out with it. I will be heard was on Tattoo the Earth the soundtrack, so I was well aware of that song and I had liked that song even since I heard it then. Um, but the whole album comes out, you know, from start to finish, and that and it's another CD for me personally. That album has since dwindled a little bit, but it's still definitely top 10 heavy metal albums of all time, maybe ever. Perhaps it was just the timing of them, the events of September 11th, the words. Um, but I think Habri, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could track down any interviews of Habri and how they felt after 9-11. But it definitely it seemed like everywhere they're going, Everywhere they went, whether it was Ozfest, whether it was um, any concerts they were doing, the words that they were saying, you know, his anger on the album, and just it just completely matched, like word for word, song for song, riff for riff, like a lot of the animosity that was felt in and around that time, and Haybreed bolstered itself to being this big band. I don't think they ever reached. Slipknot status, but they definitely they had a lot of friends that were in the hardcore music, and they took an entire genre of music, uplifted it, served it on a plate, and the other bands took it and ran away with it, like you can't believe. Um, as to this day, the influence of hardcore, you know, being felt through music, every band winds up and gears up for a breakdown in a song it doesn't matter who you are most metal bands that don't like hardcore music or don't run around with hardcore bands on tours still do those the breakdowns during their songs uh hardcore bands perfected it they have since branched out you know there's deathcore now there's metalcore there's hardcore punk there's just straight hardcore there's you know, if you want to get all the way technical with it, there's black metalcore. I mean, there's so many variations of hardcore now. Um, and even myself, getting caught in the whirlwind of things, Haybreed came out and helped so many little bands uh, just by touring with them. And then the little bands, people were like, man, this is so aggressive. This is so wow this band is so good they're so raw it's so underground it's so fresh it's not this mainstream music that is you know something that philip anselmo himself was you know these big labels want these big constructed over the top you know songs and albums and the normal fan the metalhead fan doesn't want that either uh, they do want good metal music, but they don't want this over-the-top, over-the-drawn, you know, you know, four minutes of something that isn't even the band that they're actually like. What they want is some raw. They want some vulgarity. You want you want to hear the f bomb dropped on you thirty times in a song. You want you want some rage. You want to punch somebody in the head, you know, and that's what hardcore in Haybreed and then brought to the table was you got all these bands who were struggling to 
get known or just they were just out there being as their raw the, the truest version versions of themselves and people were just gravitating towards it and it just completely obliterated everything that was going on in metal the eviscerated bands like Mudvayne, static x just went away il nino pod papa roach whatever corny metal that was being produced and I don't even mean Mudvayne and Static X and some of those other bands I just mentioned were corny, but there was a lot of corny metal being produced. Uh, anima, random corny crap. But hardcore obliterated it. You know, they took over Ozfest. Like, there was nothing but hardcore bands at Ozfest, I remember. Um, all the metal fests in California were hardcore um, oriented. There was so many bands that came through that. Uh, and that's where my love of music is and still is. I still listen to the heaviest of these raw bands. I catch them when they're not anybody. Catch them before they get bigger themselves. Um, there's a lot of new music now that I just recently got tuned into. Enough to fill up my head for the rest of the year. I don't even have to go to another concert to listen to music uh, the rest of this year. I'll have, I have enough music to try to like catch up on and bands that I hadn't heard that have three or four albums I'm like okay well I gotta I have some learning to do but that's where I'm at musically it's in the heavy side of things I do listen to pop and and rap and but it's just, I just listen to your generic whatever's on the radio uh, I do have my favorites um Pitbull Daddy Yankee I like uh what else I like uh Eminem I mean it's your most generic of stuff. I don't have like any underground rappers. Actually, I don't like the underground rap scene that is right now because I think it's corny. Uh, I think these dudes are just one dude does it. It's monkey see, monkey do. It's oh, I can make a song about Gucci flip flops, and this other guy's like, oh, I can make a, a song about my my diamond Rolex, and the other guy's like, well, I got a Nissan Altima pimped out, so I'm gonna make a song about that, and it's like, dude, you're dumb, like. And, I, and it's whatever. The kids like it. It's what they want to do. The one they want to listen to is maybe they connect with it somehow. But that's that's pretty much it in my music. Uh, I could dip into movies, but I don't know if this is gonna this recording is gonna shut off. Maybe I'll make another little episode over here to touch up on. Uh, I did music and sports. I should do touch up on movies, games, in the next one. But anyways, uh, if you've made it this far, my channel is The D is Silent. Um, I'm going to just start putting up podcasts once a week. I'm also going to do a YouTube of this, you know, shorter versions of what I'm talking about. Um, in the range of anywhere between three, four, five, six, seven minutes, nothing longer than that. But anyways, this is The D is Silent. If, you, if you're listening, this is the very first one. Uh, thank you for tuning in, um, and add a star to my name. All right, laters.